Hello, and welcome to Davos Dispatch. I'm Raj Kumar, President and Editor-in-Chief here at DevX, and on the ground in Davos, Switzerland. This week, we're bringing you conversations with some of the many leaders in the development and health and humanitarian fields that are wandering this Swiss mountain village and pondering some of the biggest issues facing us today. We're excited to generate some interesting conversations, and I hope you'll listen in and share them. Hello, welcome to the first ever Davos Dispatch coming to you from DevX. I'm Raj Kumar, President and Editor-in-Chief here at DevX, and I'm joined with Adva Saldinger, my colleague and senior reporter. Hi, Adva. Hi, Raj. Well, we are appropriately enough recording this in a very chilly conference room, uh, and that's appropriate because Davos is normally held in the winter, in January, in, in a snowy mountain ski town in Switzerland. Uh, this year, things have changed up a bit. We're heading there in May. It's springtime, but Davos is still a key moment in the global development calendar. I guess, Edva, maybe we can just start by talking about why that is. Why are we always making this pilgrimage to Davos around this time of year um, yeah. to cover this event? Well, I'm glad I can leave my uh, heel spikes at home and not worry about slipping on the ice this year. But I, I think the reason it's significant is because it's really a moment that brings together leaders from across government and business and the nonprofit world to talk about some of the world's global challenges. And certainly this year, um, perhaps more than ever, we are facing a mounting number of challenges that probably will require everyone to work together to solve. And I think you know that's why we pay attention to this moment. I think there is a question around whether leaders will step up to what's sort of needed in this global moment. And that's one of the questions I'll be looking at next week for sure. Yeah, that's very much the ethos of this event is bringing together kind of unlikely allies, unlikely stakeholders. There's so many events in the global development calendar, but this is the one where the private sector is often in the lead it's very much at the table, right alongside presidents and prime ministers and heads of international agencies. And that makes it a bit different than, let's say, the UN conference circuit. And given so many issues like climate, it's interesting to hear from a CEO and maybe someone who runs a major investment fund and a political leader, elected official, all at the same time on these issues and see where those gaps are and where the trends and themes intersect. I guess this year there's about 2,000 leaders at that level who are going to gather in Davos. Again, in slightly different circumstances, the dates have moved because of COVID. So obviously the pandemic is going to be a top theme and we're all going to be doing various tests and masks and all kinds of things that will make COVID top of mind, no matter what the session is about. But we're going to be talking about a lot more than that. I'm expecting Ukraine to be a really big yeah. theme. Are you? Absolutely. I, and, and, I, and I actually think one of the things to watch out for is whether Ukraine and some of the geopolitical challenges kind of overshadow issues like COVID, like climate. I think there's a certain um, sort of appetite for how much people can handle or talk about. I think for some, Ukraine is a more tangible, immediate uh, I don't want to say easily solvable because it's certainly not, but there is a, you know, more sort of known response. Whereas with climate, some of the challenges are bigger, they're more global. The challenges we face on COVID now are more difficult and it's about reaching people in the harder to reach places. And so I think that's something to really watch out for. Well, how much does 
Ukraine sort of suck the attention from other issues that folks in the development community really care about and that also sort of need that moment in the spotlight. Yeah, true. And it's worth remembering, at least in my experience, that there's many Davoses. You know, you can go to Davos and hang out with a group that's just focused on one particular issue or another. And, you know, a lot of the humanitarian community will be there and they're going to be talking about much beyond Ukraine. They're going to be talking about what's happening in Tigray, what's happening in Yemen and beyond. There are many people who are there thinking about development finance and especially the intersection with climate. So there are so many conversations that happen that, that we obviously want to tap into. What are some of the other themes and conversations you're looking forward to tapping into? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things I, I want to look at is sort of innovation and humanitarian financing. You know, you mentioned uh, Tigray, you mentioned Yemen. There are a large number of humanitarian crises, and financing them seems to be getting harder than ever. Um, and we saw three years ago um, at a former Davos meeting the creation of this high-level group on humanitarian investing. And so one of the things I'm looking at is talking to some of those folks again this year. And, and where do things stand? Where are some of those innovations? What can we learn? And how can some of those be deployed at scale to address mounting needs? Yeah, I'm going to be moderating that session, and I'm, I'm too looking forward to it. It's an initiative that the council launched back in 2019 around getting private sector capital into fragile and conflict-affected areas. And I'm curious to learn how that's going and what are some of the gaps that need to be plugged, because there's no way we're going to address the growing mounting fragility without private sector involvement, but it's not easy to figure out how you get private sector capital to actually want to, to go Absolutely. to places that are so challenging. So that's an important part of the what's now known as the broader humanitarian agenda at Davos. You know, when I first started attending Davos, there were very few sessions on humanitarian issues. I'm a member of the Humanitarian Future Council, and that group is part of an initiative to get more and more humanitarian issues on the agenda, and there are many more this year, which is a great progress to see just given how much what gets talked about at Davos gets then amplified, picked up, and, and discussed throughout the year at many other sessions and, and meetings that happen all over the world. What are some of the other issues that are, that are on your mind? I'm particularly interested in global health, and we've mentioned COVID, of course, but you know, Davos is a place where sometimes global health institutions get launched. CEPI is you know, a recent Sorry. example. Gavi is another. Um, and there's been some conversation about whether this pandemic has shown us that we need another agency. Does, do we need some other group that's going to help to prepare the world for future pandemics? The Global Fund is basically making the argument that they can do a lot of this work and their replenishment is coming up this year. Peter Sands, the head of the Global Fund, I believe will be there interested to hear what he has to say about that issue. Absolutely. And there's talks, of course, of setting up a pandemic preparedness fund at the World Bank, right? So I think there are questions about where this should sit and where it might have the most um, <laughs> impact, <laughs> so to speak. And, and I think there are a lot of questions around that. And certainly some of the examples you mentioned in the global health space in terms of initiatives that came out of Davos have proven really important, but I think it's also a critical moment to look at what perhaps hasn't worked with COVAX, right? The initiative designed to respond to, to the COVID pandemic and, and how lessons from that perhaps should inform whether a new entity is needed or not. What are you doing on July 12th? I hope the answer is coming to DevX World. Hey everyone, I'm Kate Warren, Executive Vice President at DevX. I work with our journalists to produce over 100 events a year on critical issues that feature, or should feature, on the global agenda. 
If you're listening to the Davos Dispatch, I know that you like to hear from global development leaders, and it probably means that you yourself are working to achieve the SDGs in one way or another. DevX World 2022 takes place at a critical juncture for our industry, bringing together thinkers and doers, change makers, and expert practitioners for our biggest, most dynamic event, a full day of inspiring sessions with one focus, turning ideas into action. DevX World brings together traditional development actors, governments, donor agencies, NGOs, and newer players like global companies, philanthropists, and social entrepreneurs to learn from each other, innovate, and develop ideas that will shape the future. We hope you'll join us on July 12th, in person in Washington, D.C., or online. DevX Pro members receive a special discounted rate to attend, so consider upgrading your membership today. Hope to see you there. Yeah, and of course, there's a lot of healthy skepticism around Davos, right? Like these elites are gathering in this yeah. mountain town. But the truth is, some of these institutions have actually formed there because it's one of these rare moments. I remember talking to a pharmaceutical executive who said, you know, he was in the room with a few other pharma CEOs and some big foundation people and some governments, and they were talking about vaccines and how do they get developed. And these kinds of conversations led to CEPI. And so oftentimes these discussions that might seem one-off, they might be happening in a hallway or over a coffee or a glass of wine somewhere, can lead to big things. And that's why we want to be the flies yeah. on the wall. What, one other like issue that I just wanted to mention that obviously I'm going to be looking at is, you know, food insecurity. Uh, I think it's such a critical issue today. It is a place where I think every you know, business has a critical role to play, especially as we see shortages in fertilizer. How can, you know, companies look to adapt? And, and it's a, a challenge that I think has to be addressed across the scale, both in high income and in low income countries. And so it'll be interesting to see if people come to the table with solutions at Davos and look to create some mechanisms around that. I know that we expect the World Food Program's David Beasley to be there. Um, and, and so, you know, how do you really push that conversation forward in what looks to be um, a crisis that is just going to grow in magnitude over the coming months and years? Yeah, I think to me that's like the sleeper issue of this Davos because I think going into it, most people who attend an event like this are thinking about elevated food prices and they're, they're aware of that, it's in the media, but they're thinking of it as this short-term issue, this spike in wheat prices or a couple of major countries announcing export bans. But a lot of the food and agriculture experts I'm talking to say this is just the beginning of what is probably a multi-year food crisis that could look like what happened in 2008, 2011 when the Arab Spring happened. Yeah, but it and, could be worse. And it could it's, be worse. So I, I think this is the sleeper issue. It's not much on the agenda. If you look yeah. through the, the Davos agenda, it's not much mentioned in the way the annual meetings are being presented by the WEF. But I have a feeling this may be one of these issues that comes out of this meeting. So I'll be certainly on the lookout yeah. for that. Because as you, as you said, it's not just about food security, but it's about global instability and growing global inequality, which I think is, you know, people think about Davos and it is a gathering of the elites. And so I think it's important to think about this issue of, of inequality, who, you know, often the poorest people in the world are maybe not as represented in these conversations. So how can their voices be sort of brought in or how can the issues being discussed at Davos um, really speak to the realities they're facing? Yeah, there's so many of these high level global issues that seem to all come together. And the timing is interesting because we're right about at the halfway point of the sustainable development goals. 
In my experience, interestingly enough, I see more SDG rainbow pins and rainbow flags and such at Davos than I see at the UN. I mean, it's so common there. Every corporation that has something out on the promenade, their own little office space or event space, they've got their SDG paraphernalia and signage. And here we are halfway through, and the SDGs are way off track. I mean, there was a chance, maybe a few years ago, the beginning of this decade, we thought like this was the decade of action, but COVID has set basically all the SDGs way behind. Now, if we're right in what we're speculating here and what the sources are telling us about this food crisis, it's gonna be a lot worse. So I'd be interested to see how much the SDGs remain a centerpiece of the way corporates are talking about their engagement with the world, or are they gonna shift and focus on individual issues, climate, Ukraine, et cetera. Um, I'll be looking out for those rainbow pins to see, mm -hmm. to see how ubiquitous they are this year. Yeah, I mean, I do think that for the private sector, the SDGs have been sort of a useful nomenclature or just an easy, you know, it became something that they could latch onto as part of their broader sustainability efforts, their messaging. Um, I, I think one of the key questions to ask is also how much of that is playing out in the way that they're conducting business. I think one of the key themes that we've seen at um, at Davos before is this idea of stakeholder capitalism, right? So is that actually advancing or how much of this is, you know, companies are looking at some of these issues in the environmental or social space, but is it about how it impacts their risk profile and their bottom line, or is it about having an intention of creating some sort of positive impact? I think that's a really important question to be asking. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. It's, it's an important one. It's a hard one. You don't want Davos to be ground zero for greenwashing, but it easily can be because companies can talk about these great initiatives, but what kind of accountability really is there at this point? And I think that's part of our role is to at least ask those questions. It's hard to sometimes get to the right answers, but at least start to ask the questions about what real tangible impact is coming from all of these many pledges that we'll hear. And that is a lot of what we'll cover. You know, so many initiatives get announced at Davos. A lot of companies wait for this as their moment to say, hey, here's our new net zero pledge. So we'll be looking out for those and looking out especially for the ones that connect to the issues that all of you listening to this uh, focused on global development, humanitarian aid, global health are really tuned into. Advab, what else are you looking forward to? Uh, we're, we've got a, a series of conversations we're going to host during Davos. Maybe you can say a word or two about what those are going to be like and who are some of the people you're looking forward to hearing from this week? Yeah, you know, I think the idea behind this podcast is to sort of bring people into some of those conversations that we'll be having at Davos. I think some of the themes we've talked about today are things that we want to be hearing from the leaders who are working day in, day out on these issues, trying to advance this agenda. So, you know, on health, we might, you know, talk to Richard Hatchett from CEPI. We might talk to Peter Sands from the Global Fund. And so I think we're looking to talk to folks like that in the health space, I think on food security, you know, talking to the World Food Program, but also let's talk to some of the big ag companies about what you know, role they see that they can play in this crisis on humanitarian financing. You know, it's it's a broad range of folks. It's, you know, folks like Kois Invest who are on the private sector side, but also folks like ICRC who are, you know, helped pioneer this first humanitarian impact bond that comes to term later this year. So I think there's really a broad range of folks that we'd like to hear from and speak to across the business and sort of development and 
you know, government community. And there's so many development celebrities there too, people who are known just by their first name, like Ngozi and Winnie and Bill. Uh, so we want to talk to all of them, and I'm interested in the philanthropy world to talk to people like Mark Malik Brown, Andrew Steer. There's people who are really at the forefront of some important new philanthropic trends. There's just more to cover than we possibly can, but we're going to do our best using this Davos Dispatch um, podcast and the broader coverage you're going to be doing, I'm going to be doing, and others in our newsletters and uh, through our website to really get kind of a feel for what's happening on the ground in Davos out to our audience, to all of you around the world listening to this who, who aren't there with us in Switzerland. We're going to try to give you a sense of what it's like here on the ground. So stay tuned, uh, be a part of this, share it, and, and reach us on social. What's your, your, your handle, Adva? Adva Sal. And I'm Raj underscore DevX. Uh, tell us what we should be asking. Tell us what you're hearing, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks for listening in. This is the Davos Dispatch.